0: This week begins a new quarter of study in the books of Job and Ecclesiastes. These are books that we don't uh, read and study too much, at least most of the Christians don't, but uh, they provide us a great insight into God's character and the way that we live our life to honor Him. Uh, Job, specifically, is a, a book that's part of the genre of wisdom literature That includes in our Bible, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And we have to kind of look at the book of Job and try to infer or guess exactly when it occurred. Most scholars believe that the uh, historical context of the events of the book of Job is uh, among the earliest in Scripture. In fact, if you look at a lot of the clues from some of the the peoples and some of the places that are listed in Job, you come up with the idea that Job happened somewhere around or shortly after Abraham's time, which is roughly around 1800 BC. Now, who was this guy Job? Let's begin looking at the first five verses, and then we'll examine a little more about Job. It says in verse 1, So when we're introduced to this man, Job, who is, uh, in my mind and in the mind of the scripture, a true historical figure, we see a man both of great moral character and great wealth. His wealth, like many in that day of the patriarchal period, was measured not in money, but in livestock, and he he had a lot of them. You can see 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. 500 yoke of oxen, which would be about a 1,000 cattle, and um, 500 female donkeys. So this is a man who had everything this world had to offer at that time. He also had a great family full of sons and daughters, 10 in all. And um, more than that, he's described in the first verse as a man who was blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. So he had the moral character that was unmatched in his day, and God would even bring that up in one of the later verses. So the book of Job is also one of the most outstanding examples of Hebrew poetry that we have in our Bible. In fact, uh, when I was in high school, public school, I, uh, our English teacher had a study The book of Job, just as an example of literature, because it was so beautiful and so well-written. The book of Job addresses a subject called theodicy. That's a word you may never have heard or may never use, but it's really about how can a holy God and a just God allow evil and tragedy in the world? How How does that match up with God's character when we see bad things happening to supposedly good people, all around us? That's really the basic question that's addressed throughout this book. One of the most intriguing things to me is to think about how Job even had a relationship with God. At that time, if you think it's around Abraham's time, there wasn't a Bible, there wasn't a recorded law, there wasn't really anything to, uh, to show a person who to worship, or how to worship, or even what to do in life, and um, as we as I was studying this, um, I learned that you know it, this wasn't too long after after the flood, the time that Noah and his sons were on the ark, and um, of course Noah was a godly man, and his his offspring, especially Shem, were Godly and faithful men, and they passed on their faith to their descendants. So this was probably a few hundred years later, but it's interesting that um, Noah lived 350 years after the flood and Shem lived to be about 600 years after the flood, I think. So they would have been still alive, at least um, Shem, during this time. And they, they were able to Share things about God that people wouldn't know otherwise. Share things about their relationship with the creator of the universe. And that brings up the importance to us of how families must pass on their faith and live it out in front of their sons and daughters so that um, they can see a living faith that, uh, that affects everyday life. And that's probably what influenced Job even these hundreds of years after the flood, of how he would serve God and love God and follow Him. So let's see in the next few verses a glimpse of heaven. We'll read verses 6 through 12 now. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, "'From going to and fro on the earth "'and from walking up and down on it.' "'And the Lord said to Satan, "'Have you considered my servant Job, "'that there is none like him on the earth, "'a blameless and upright man who fears God "'and turns away from evil?' "'Then Satan answered the Lord and said, "'Does Job fear God for no reason?' So here we see a few interesting things, and this provides us one of the only glimpses in the Old Testament of what goes on behind the scenes in heaven. But the number one thing we see here is that God is in complete control. He is ruling on His throne with sovereignty, and yet He cares about the, the day-to-day happenings and people and what's going on on the earth. And another interesting thing here is that God is the one that brought up Job and how proud he was, literally, of this man who uh, is blameless and upright, fears God, and turns away from evil. Wouldn't you like it if God was sitting in heaven, looking down on the earth, and he he told his angels or he told even Satan, look at how good so-and-so is. Look at how great they're, they're living their lives. That was just a, a tremendous testimony that's really unprecedented on the earth. Maybe Noah was, was one like that as well. But it's something that's very rare to say God singling out a single person of how good that person is. But we're not told why Satan is there and having access to God's throne. That's just... Um, There's no explanation there, and there's no really reason for us to try to figure that out. It's just listed that that was happening, and it may still be happening. We don't know, but um, Satan is a real being that's out there opposing both God and his people. The word Satan literally means the adversary, or one who throws accusations against someone, and um, that is a the The role that Satan has had since his fall and his rebellion against God. He's been trying to thwart God's purposes and destroy God's people ever since. So here God is giving him permission to attack Job in a, what we would consider from the outside kind of an unjust way. He didn't deserve it. And um, that's kind of hard for us to to piece together when we look at our sense of justice and our sense of why, why things would happen. But God didn't really explain why he let that happen. He just did. And that shows us that both God is in control and um, he can do whatever he wants, even if it doesn't look right to us. And we don't have to push, put our standards on God to... Uh, judge what he's doing, whether it's good or bad. Another thing we learned from this um, is that Job's uprightness in his character was rooted in his fear of God. And what is the fear of God? We know that it's um, it's rooted in a relationship with God and, and a, a knowledge that he is just and holy and that we're continually in his presence and that everything we say, do, and think is seen by him, and will one day be judged by him. So that is a foundation for Job's behavior, his character, his integrity. And that can be for us, too. Throughout the wisdom literature, not just in the book of Job, but in other books as well, the fear of God is a central theme. And so for us, we must also practice the fear of God to live continually in his presence and think about him think about what he, how he would respond to any decision that we make any action that we take and even any of our thoughts that we think are hidden from everyone else so when god granted satan permission to test job by stripping him of all his material possessions he was trying to god was trying to prove to satan that job was not just upright for his own benefit, for his own material gain, because that was the, that was the proposition that Satan made in these verses. If, if Job didn't have all these blessings from God, he wouldn't even love or serve God. God was providing Job an opportunity to prove that his faith was not based on his material status or his material blessings. So the next few verses verses 13 through 19 show us how Job lost everything and some of his response to that following that. So let's read verses 13 through 19. It says verse 13 now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house and there came a messenger to Job and said The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, there came another and said, have escaped to tell you. So here in these verses, we see a rapid fire presentation of four waves of tragedy that hit Job's life. They attacked everything that Job had in one way or another. The first one was an attack by a group called the Sabaeans, who are a people group. They were a nomadic people that lived in southern Saudi Arabia. Now, Job was living in the land of Uz, which was also probably in the northern part of what we know now as Saudi Arabia. So these had come across the desert, and they had taken all of his donkeys and oxen, his cattle, and the servants killed the servants, and one guy was left to tell Job what had happened. So this this happened, and then within a few seconds, as it says, he got another report, this time of a natural disaster. The fire of God fell. That might have been lightning. It might have been something else. But whatever it was, it caused all of his sheep to be killed, and he lost all of his sheep. And then a third servant came and told him about a raiding band of Chaldeans who were a nomadic people near the Persian Gulf area that attacked in three bands and took away his camels and killed the rest of his servants who were with the camels. And then finally, the greatest tragedy of all, perhaps, is uh, how a great wind, perhaps a tornado, hurricane, something like that, came and destroyed the house where all ten of his children, his seven sons and three daughters, were gathered together feasting, and they all were taken away, every single one of his children. So these events um, came in such rapid fire that you can't imagine the shock that Job felt when he heard these things one after the other. Probably didn't even seem real to him. And it it took maybe a little time for all of this to sink in. Now, did Job deserve any of this? No, he didn't really deserve it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But these events in Job's life remind us that there is no security in material possessions or even in family relationships all of these things can vanish in a moment we see in the next chapter which we're not going to get into in detail but job even lost his health and was in severe pain during his second round of attacks he he was god didn't allow satan to touch his health in the first round but in the second round he did and it got to be terrible where he was suffering greatly and then I mentioned before, was any of this Job's fault? No, the rest of the book focuses on this issue, how bad things that happen to what the world considers good people are not necessarily in retribution for any of their own works. That was the conventional wisdom of the day, that if good things came to you, you were doing the right if bad things happen to you, you must have done something wrong. And that's the, the thesis of the rest of the book. But I think the whole purpose of this book is to show that that's not necessarily the case. Earthly blessings do not necessarily indicate God's favor, and earthly hardships or suffering do not necessarily indicate that you're sinful or you have something going on in your life that's causing those things. However, people still think, many of them the same way that Job's friends did, that this must have happened to him because he did something wrong. And for us even today, we might question when bad things happen to us, what did we do to deserve this? And if you think you didn't do anything, then you kind of have an attitude to blame God and say, well, God, why did you let this happen to me? I don't deserve this. That kind of colors our attitude. So here is the last three verses that form the the climax of this chapter. Let's read verses 20 through 22. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So the first thing Job did was uh, to show his grief and his sorrow by tearing his robe and shaving his head. Those were symbols of, of grief and severe, uh, severe sorrow. But his response to all this barrage of bad news was something surprising. Not just grief and sorrow, but he worshipped God. Why do you think he did that? Job had the right perspective that God is in control of everything and he owes us nothing that's why he says naked i came from my mother's womb and naked shall i return the lord gave and the lord has taken away he realized that it's not because of his righteousness that he had all of these things it was god's prerogative to give him whatever god wanted to give him and take away whatever god wanted to take away so he provides us an example of how to respond in times that we're suffering. He says, blessed be the name of the Lord and he did not sin or charge God with wrong. So our right response to suffering and even response to blessing is to keep our focus on God, not on what he has given us or what he has taken away from us. To trust in his goodness And his sovereign plan, because he says in the New Testament that all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. God has a plan for everything that happens in our lives, even the bad things. We just have to trust him and trust that he knows what he's doing and he's going to use this for our benefit in the future. And then we must praise God Not just for what He's done or what He's given to us, but for who He is. Because no matter what happens on this earth, God's character and God's control does not change. He's always the same. And He always has the same attributes of holiness and beauty and love, compassion, faithfulness, that uh, He's always had, even when our circumstances are on earth change. So let's look at some application for this first chapter of the book of Job. Think about it in your own life. Think about the worst things that that have ever happened to you. How did you respond? How would you respond if some of these things happened? Maybe you lost your home to a financial reversal. You lost your health to a a bad diagnosis. You lost all of your your money to either a job loss or maybe even theft or a natural disaster took things away from you. All of these things can and do happen. Even in our recent hailstorm, you can see how quickly things that looked uh, fairly secure can can be destroyed in a moment. Do those kind of happenings? Do those kind of experiences in your life? push you closer to God? Or do they make you turn away from Him? That tells a lot about your relationship with God. All of these things should push us closer to Him and deepen our trust in Him, even when we can't understand them. So how can what we learn about God in Job help us face difficult circumstances today? Well, we know from From this passage that nothing happens outside of God's control, Satan just didn't go in there and take all of Job's stuff away without God's permission, and neither does that happen today. Uh, all of the, the tragic events in the world are in one, one way or another a response to the and the consequences of sin entering the world, the fall of, of man and the curse that God placed on humanity and the earth itself when Adam and Eve sinned. But he still is in control and doesn't let it completely fall apart. He has a purpose for everything that happens to us, even everything that happens to, to the lost world. For us, God's purpose is to help us grow closer to him, help us grow in godliness and sanctification. And when we realize a greater trust in God when all of our earthly um, focal points are taken away, that helps us become more holy. It helps us deepen our, our righteousness and get that heavenly perspective instead of the earthly perspective of all focusing on all that God has given us instead of on who God is. The Bible talks often about uh, being refined like gold or silver. That process is a, a very hot fire under a molten metal and in that way the, the impurities rise to the top, they're scraped off and then it's boiled again and uh, over and over again through the fire that gold is refined. And that's what God is trying to do in our lives and without suffering we we can't be refined like that. It takes those difficult times in our lives to show us first of all to ourselves what we're trusting in and where our focal point is and and then through that to Point us closer to God and a deeper fear of God, a deeper love for Him, and a deeper trust in Him. So I challenge you to look at the things going on in your life to see if they're pushing you toward God. And if not, look at your perspective and and try to, to focus more on Him and who He is rather than the circumstances around you. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, I thank you that you are in control of everything, and that in this one brief chapter of your word, you show us that nothing can can happen to our lives unless you allow it or cause it, and that we don't always understand why you do things. We don't even maybe agree with letting some of these things happen to our lives, but we, we must trust in you and help us to grow in a deeper trust in you. Help us to focus each day on your presence in our lives and your standards for us. And when these bad things happen, when these sufferings happen, Lord, help us to bless your name and to draw near to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.